Hi, I'm Evan from Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm Nicole from Toronto. I'm Jake from Chattanooga. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is produced independently and supported by listeners like you and me. You should support the show like I did. It's easy. Just visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. I'm Jesse Thorne. John Roderick and Jonathan Colton's new album, Gets Christmas Right. There's drunk uncles, carefully wrapped Ataris under the tree. We do not mention any Lord or Savior, but I think the spirit of the holiday is conveyed. Christmas time is wonderful, wonderful with you, Christmas time. It's Bullseye. Bullseye is ringing in the holidays this week, but don't worry. We'll have no Rudolph and no Jingle Bells. Not if Jonathan Colton has anything to say about it. You know, Jingle Bells? I mean, sure, Jingle Bells, I guess, but... He and John Roderick will talk about their new album, One Christmas at a Time. And are you required to play Christmas music at your holiday party? The Brothers McElroy will offer their advice and answer more holiday season quandaries. Plus, Tim DeLotter from the choral pop group The Polyphonic Spree talks about the Christmas extravaganza they took on the road. Pure insanity. We have a ventriloquist that's out there. We have a magician. Um, we have all the characters and Dickens walking around. It's really just a fun night of craziness for the whole family. Settle in. It's the Bullseye 2012 Holiday Special. Every week on the show, we invite culture critics on to tell us about stuff that is worth our time. And since this is our holiday episode, we thought we'd have our friends at the AV Club recommend a couple of gifts. Josh Modell, Andrea Battleground. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Great to have you here. Um, Josh, I want to start with your gift recommendation. It's a new 10-disc Blu-ray box set called Tarantino XX celebrating 20 years of filmmaking. Uh, that is a lot of volume. Quentin Tarantino, not a man known for short films. Uh, but physically, it's a volume space saver on your shelf, which uh, I touted in our annual gift guide here at the AV Club. Depending on how many of the Tarantino movies you own already, uh, especially those thick special editions, uh, you can replace them all on your shelf with one package that you know is only about two inches wide. Do you have a particular favorite among his uh, filmography? I definitely go back and forth between the first two movies, like I think a lot of people do, uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, which are both kind of perfect. you got to have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped... Oh, what the f- happening? Oh, 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 man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the f- did you do that? What about you, Jesse Thorne? I have to say, I think my favorite is Jackie Brown. Where's Milne? Well, that's, that's what I want to tell you. You see, she was bugging me the whole time. She got pissy with me because I wouldn't let her carry the bag. And then she started running her mouth about, you know, because like, I couldn't remember where the car was parked right away when we came out. So then she got on me about that. Is it this aisle, Lewis? Is it that aisle, Lewis? It's totally my nerves, man. So what, the, you left her there? I, I shot her. You shot Melanie? Twice in the parking lot. That's really interesting, actually. I mean, I think 
Jackie Brown is maybe more worth a rewatch than than the ones that you've seen a million times. Such a different kind of movie with such a different sense of humor and a different sensibility. Andrea, your recommendation is a series of classic album cover jigsaw puzzles called Rediscover Jigsaw Puzzles. So this seems to me like maybe the perfect gift for someone that likes to crank the stereo up, pour themselves a glass of wine, and sit in their apartment alone. Yes, and that person would be me if you added two more (laughs) glasses of wine. (laughs) So what are the albums that are covered by the series? There's David Bowie, there's um, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison, there's Jimi Hendrix, Bob Dylan, Nirvana's Nevermind is one of the album covers. Do you have any of these at home? Two. I have the um, Axis Bold as Love and I have the David Bowie Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. They're not difficult. These are 300-piece puzzles, but they are front and back, so that makes the difficulty level rise quite a bit. The front is the front cover of the album, and the back is the back cover, which usually has the track list. Uh, Of the two that you have, was one tougher? I would say that the back cover of the David Bowie one was a little bit more difficult, But that may have very well been because I was several glasses of wine into the puzzle putting together at that point. (laughs) So. Andrea Battleground recommends Rediscover Jigsaw Puzzles. They're classic album jigsaws. And Josh Modell recommends the 10-disc Blu-ray box set of the films of Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino XX, celebrating 20 years of filmmaking. Both are available now. You can find them online. And you can find the A.V. Club's entire apocalypse-themed gift guide at avclub.com. The Onion also have a new book in stores. It's called The Onion Book of Known Knowledge. They call me back, no Santa. I make my runs about the break of day. They call me back to Santa. I make my runs about the break of day. Oh, oh, oh. I make all the little girls happy. While the boys are out to play. That was Backdoor Santa by Clarence Carter. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Jonathan Colton and John Roderick have had very different rock and roll career trajectories. Colton didn't become a full-time musician until his mid-30s, when his funny, heartfelt geek rock exploded on the internet. He's since become one of the great success stories of self-released music. Roderick's had a more traditional path as the frontman of the indie rock band The Long Winters, who've put out three records with the respected indie label Barsook. Over the past few years, they've become friends, then tour mates, and now they've got a brand new holiday album. Here's a little bit of the title track, One Christmas at a Time. One Christmas at a time, baby, one Christmas at a time. Oh yeah, one Christmas at a time, baby, one Christmas at a time. Well, I put all this year's presents on uh, my credit card and kind of went overboard, but... By this time next year, my podcast will be earning serious money. One Christmas at a time, baby, one Christmas at a time. 
my brother gets totally trashed and passes out on the couch. So this year, I dusted all the couches with itching powder. One Christmas at a time. John, Jonathan, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you. It's nice to be here. First of all, how do the two of you guys know each other? Uh, Jonathan, you want to tell that story? I, I'm, I'm sick of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we were um, doing the same uh, McSweeney's event. Was that in New York? That was in New York, right? It was at the Beacon Theater in New York in 2006. That's right. And spring of 2006. I was uh, John Hodgman's uh, sidekick. John, John Hodgman was performing as part of the star-studded evening of entertainment, and John Roderick was also one of the performers. And I think basically the way it worked out, we were the three least famous people there, uh, <laughs> and so. We ended up hanging out together, uh, and that was that was the first time we met. Were you wearing a still wearing a coonskin cap at the time while performing? He was. As John he absolutely was. <laughs> and I, and I, I believe cannot, it was. I, I don't. <laughs> I cannot uh, uh, emphasize how much that uh, made me uh, dubious of him at first. <laughs> I, I am certain that it it uh, it leaves a very specific kind of impression. That was a really big inflection point in your career, especially Jonathan. Yeah, that was that was the that was right when it was all happening for me. And John, that was the last time you put out an album. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a turning point in my career too. And I was in some ways maybe right on the lee side of the peak of my career. My record had come out and it and it was the record that sold the most copies and I was appearing on television programs and and driving around the universe. So why did you two make a Christmas album? You know, we, we have spent countless hours together talking about songwriting and what it means to be creative and our various methods for dealing with challenges in, in, in trying to write. And, you know, I don't remember exactly when it, when it came up, but um, was it me? Did, what, did I suggest it? Did I suggest a Christmas album? Well, you know, my standard rock world business organization has been saying to me for years, there's a desperate need every fall for Christmas music because all that Christmas music that you hear being pumped into cafes and on TV shows and stuff, it all came from somewhere. And most of, most of the music publishers are looking for new renditions of Jingle Bell Rock because everybody's heard the older rendition so many times. So, yeah. you know, we've been talking about stuff for years, and as soon as the word Christmas was broached, we just leapt on this, like, let's make a Christmas record. That's a great idea. We can collaborate. It'll be a, it'll be collaboration. Is there Christmas music that either of you particularly enjoy that's not your own? Well, this was a this was a thing that we had to address when we when we convened to make a Christmas album. Jonathan and I are both secular-minded people and or we appreciated and appreciate all the sentimental aspects of Christmas, all the all the things about Christmas that 
remind us of our childhood or that we love as a cultural kind of event. But neither one of us really latch on to, if you will, the reason for the season. And a lot of the Christmas music we were listening to, preparing to do what we thought was originally going to be a covers record, we were like, mm, I don't, I can't really get behind the sentiment here. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you sort of have two choices with the Christmas music. You know, the completely secular songs. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a great <laughs> song, and for goodness' sake, it's been done so many times. You know, Jingle Bells. I mean, sure, Jingle Bells, I guess, but yeah. And then not really relevant. Know, not really relevant. And then on the other side, it's true. It's that you know there there are a lot of beautiful. Uh, Christmas songs that start talking about Jesus, you know, and and it always uh, I, <laughs> and and I love to sing those songs, and they they are beautiful songs, but um, it didn't it never felt right thinking about it coming out of my mouth uh, and going onto a, a CD, um, and so as we were looking for songs that we felt would be honest representations of of us, we realized that we there were not really that many of them. That's that's when we decided that it, it might be good to try writing some of our own to see how that went. Is it fair to say that your Lord and Savior is the Atari 2600? <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my one of my Lords and Saviors. Yes, certainly. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the musicians John Roderick and Jonathan Colton. Their new album is called One Christmas at a Time. Jonathan, was there a Christmas feeling that you wanted to express when you were making this album? When I think back on Christmas's past, I have extremely vivid memories of that Christmas when I really wanted and received an Atari 2600. I'm the only kid in my whole school Doesn't get to see movies rated R for any young nerd, that is a very important day in their lives. It's when the future has arrived at your house and your parents bought it for you and wrapped it up in a box. And I remember sneaking around the tree in the days before Christmas and checking the boxes. As a kid, you're like, oh, maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't get it. And then watching carefully which ones my parents told me to open first and trying to game it out. Are they, are they waiting till the last minute? Is this going to be the last one? They're probably going to wait till the last minute. I don't even know if I'm getting one. So I shook every box under the tree. I'm a good boy and their only son. Why would they deprive me? This one's sweater and this one's socks. Maybe they put it in a different box. There's only one thing that I want. Well, as I'm speaking as someone who opened that same box and discovered a Mattel in television, (laughs) which my father read a review of that said, this is even better than the 2600. This new game makes the 2600 seem obsolete. And I had this (laughs) in television with a little, it didn't have a joystick, it had a disc and it just had all these wackadoodle games, and I was like, and nobody, none of my friends wanted to play the television with me, so I would play on single player mode all the time. Uh. <laughs> 
John, can you give me an example of uh, a feeling that the two of you thought of and a song that came out of it? We started talking about the week between Christmas and New Year, which is this maybe the most melancholy, sentimental part of en- the landscape of any year. Christmas is over, but the the tree is still up. No one's going back to work. The snow is on the ground. You're in this. You're in this space where you are. You're reckoning with maybe how Christmas failed to meet your expectations a little bit. Uh, you're coming down from an eggnog hangover, and you're facing the dawn of the new year and all this expectation you have that this next year is going to be different. This next year is you're going to make all these resolutions, and it's this. It's a very intense psychological, emotional place that we all go through every year, and there's no song about it. The wrapping paper's put away, except the bits the cat got hold of. Someone comes by to say hello and bring a tin of cookies. The mistletoe's not used up yet. And the popcorn garlands hold up You secretly hope the snow will last a little while And we wrote that song very quickly, and it feels very, um, yeah, it's it's one of the more naked places on the record, and it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's, it's sentimental without being maudlin. The guys from My Brother, My Brother, and Me will solve some holiday quandaries after a break, plus more with John Roderick and Jonathan Colton. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Bullseye is supported by Thing X, the new comedy site featuring original comedy videos and articles created by Adult Swim and former writers from The Onion. Check out Thing X now for an interview with Paul F. Tompkins, movie reviews from Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington, insane how-to videos, and more. All at thingx.com. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the musicians John Roderick and Jonathan Colton. Their new album is called One Christmas at a Time. Here's a song from the album Christmas Time is Wonderful. Christmas Time is Wonderful, Wonderful with you, Christmas Time. Christmas time is wonderful, wonderful with you, Christmas time. Christmas time is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful with you. Christmas time is wonderful, wonderful with you, Christmas time. John, you're from Alaska. Is Christmas different there? Christmas time. Oh, it's so different. You know, the first time I ever got off an airplane in Los Angeles at Christmas time, I was a kid and we were going to Disneyland, you know, in 
December. And got off the plane and there were Christmas trees all around and Santas and stuff. And it was 78 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. And I felt like there was something corrupt at the very core of that. <laughs> like it was, even to my seven-year-old mind, there was something contemptible about Los Angeles selling, celebrating Christmas. <laughs> because in Alaska at Christmas time, it is courier and Ives. You know, you are huddled around the fire and the, the pine trees outside are, the branches are weighed down by the snow and the hoarfrost and it's dark and you have, you have oil lamps and candles lit. Like it is, it is authentic out of complete necessity. So, even living in Seattle, it's hard for me to have Christmas. It's hard for me to look out the window and go, Oh, the weather outside is frightening. It's sleeting and kind of gray and <laughs> It's just not, it's just not, it's just not enough. It's not Christmassy enough. John, was part of this album for you about tricking yourself into writing songs? I ask that because you have not put out an album in six years. Yeah, it very much was. Um, the thing about Jonathan is he is he he has a musical vocabulary that's second to none. You know, Jonathan has this ability to. He is one of these people who knows what the next chord is. You play four chords. He knows what the the fifth chord should be. Something about the high pressure. <laughs> You know, the, the not very much time that we had allotted to, to actually do do this. Um, the fact that we were terrified and, and had to sort of push through that initial fear by just diving headlong, it, it really sort of uh, got things boiling early on. So it was like all that all that nervous energy made it made it really work. And being in this high pressure situation where it's like, well, we got to get it done because we booked the time. We already are committed. We have to do it. <laughs> and we, we looked at each other a dozen times over the course of the the, uh, the week we were working on it. Just like, would you rather? Wouldn't you rather just quit? Shouldn't we just go get a pizza or something <laughs> and pretend this never happened? But the fact that the other one was there, we would kind of look at each other and go, Nah, let's uh, let's just let's just try it one more time. Christmas time is wonderful, wonderful. Jonathan, John, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on both sides. It's great to have you. Thank you, Jesse. It was our pleasure. You're the best. Oh, thank you very much. Jonathan Colton and John Roderick have a brand new Christmas album. It's called One Christmas at a Time. You can find it online at onechristmasatatime.com. It's time for a long winter's nap. There's a knock on the door and a stranger is there. He wants you to sit on his lap He takes your watch and he gives you a hairbrush Your wife gets a wig on a chain 
He says he can't stay Cause he's got a long way to go And it's starting to rain Christmas is interesting Like a knife in your heart Christmas is interesting How it tears you apart Christmas is interesting Like a stick in your eye So freaking interesting That it might make you cry rather be a dentist Maybe you're a train with square wheels Maybe you're a squirt gun that only shoots jam Now you know how Jesus feels He is riding a sleigh He calls Rosebud His mansion is lonely and cold Silent night Holy night Jingle bells, jingle bells Walking in a winter wonderland. <laughs> How was that for a fabulous Christmas carol medley? <laughs> it's me, Pee Wee Herman, in case you didn't figure it out. Duh! <laughs> I'm here to just wish everybody the merriest, merriest, merriest of Christmases. Happy New Year and Happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends. <laughs> ah! Periodically, we like to check in with the brothers McElroy, the hosts of the podcast My Brother, My Brother, and Me, to get some advice on our pop culture quandaries. After all, it is an advice podcast that they host. Travis, Griffin, Justin, welcome back to Bullseye. You did those names. I don't want to, sorry, I don't want to nitpick like right from the get-go, but you did do those names out of chronological order, which is how we, which is how we prefer it. I'm going to be honest. You guys are lucky that I remembered all your names. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, the weather outside is frightful mm. uh, because it's holiday time and we have some holiday related pop culture quandaries for you to solve. You ready to do this thing? Ready I don't base. have a choice. Okay, here's something from Eric. He writes, I play Fagin at the Dickens Christmas Fair, but my wife thinks it's embarrassing and refuses to attend. How do I convince slash bribe her to go? Is this a fair in which people just dress up as, like, D- Dickensian characters and just, like, walk around in character? It's like the Renaissance Fair, but for 19th century England. How am I not there for that? I need to be there. I hope that's not the case, because there's nothing more unsettling than a guy with a Cockney accent walking around asking if he can recruit your son. <laughs> He's got nimble fingers. Look at his tiny, sweet hands. Examine those digits. You guys are really, you guys are way, way, way sub Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Can you please give this poor man some advice? Oh, that's it. No, okay, that's what you do. You, you tell her, until you come to, the, to my show or fair or whatever it is, I still don't understand, I'm going to speak with this Cockney accent as punishment. If she I, won't come to the Dickensian Fair, you bring the Dickensian Fair to her. There's no occasion. Family funerals, lovemaking, there's no occasion that does not call for your Fagan accent. And I would mm-hmm. guess 
prosthetic nose. Do you think that he could sweeten the pot by offering her a fine fat goose? <laughs> the one as big as me? <laughs> I, <laughs> maybe a pudding of some sort. People seem to have a lot of solid pudding back then. Maybe a solid pudding. Here's a question from Gabe. He asks, is it an insult to the giver to spend money or gift cards that you received as a gift on bills? I think it's an insult no matter what to tell the giver what you spent the money yeah, on. Yeah, they don't want to know. They they want the transaction to end there. I do. I would like to know what bills you're paying with gift cards. <laughs> I'd like to pay you in this $10 gift card, please. You know what? I don't. Th- I think that anybody who gives you the most thoughtless present you can give anyone is not allowed to dictate the terms of how you spend that thoughtless, awful present. I think by the definition of giving someone a thoughtless gift, you're sort of buying yourself the luxury of never having to think about it again. Like, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure they don't need an update. They forgot to get you anything. Lindsay writes, when hosting a Christmas or holiday party, what's the obligation for music? Must the host play Christmas or holiday music? The obligation is Harry Connick's Harry for the Holidays on repeat, full blast. (laughs) Next question. Travis isn't kidding. Happy holidays, everyone. (laughs) Except anyone in immediate proximity of Travis and his boombox. I think I think the problem is you have to decide whether or not it's a Christmas or a holiday party. If it's a Christmas mm-hmm. party, I think you, you can lean into the festive music. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems a little scroogey to to avoid the very theme of the party that you're throwing. If you're throwing a holiday party, I don't really know what the protocol is there. Just cheerful music? I get optimistic? Well, there's also that like weird like plucky you know string music that's like completely unidentifiable as any known song. But you turn it down so it's just like on, you know, the first setting and you walk into a room and it's like hidden behind, you know, the tree or something. Like a John Adams symphony? Yes. <laughs> like a CD of things that sort of sound like green sleeves. Yes. I gotcha. You. Well, Travis, Justin, Griffin, uh, thank you so much for sharing your holiday sort of wisdom with us on Bullseye. I'm glad I could help. Merry Christmas. The McElroy Brothers are the hosts of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. You can find the show free online in iTunes or at MaximumFun.org. Last time I played Father Christmas, I stood outside a department store. A gang of kids came over and mugged me, and knocked my reindeer to the floor. He said, Father Christmas, give us some money, don't mess around with those silly toys. We'll beat you up, don't hand it over, we want your bread, so don't make us annoyed. Give all the toys to the little Make 
Kinks with Father Christmas. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Bullseye is supported in part by Ask Metafilter, thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. Jesse Thorne here, proprietor of MaximumFun.org. Look, we had a great time in the Poconos and everything, but there's no way we are forgetting about our annual trip to Lake Arrowhead here in Southern California. So, unless the world ends first by Mayan prophecy, Max Funcon West will be held May 31st through June 2nd, 2013. Join us for a showcase of elite stand-up comedy performers in the woods, plus informative classes and talks from some of the best creative minds in the nation. If you've been to Max FunCon before, get ready to reunite with your old friends. And if you're a first-timer, get ready to make a whole ton of new ones. Registration is now open at MaxFunCon.com. So act fast. Max FunCon pretty much always sells out, and we don't expect this year to be any different. Remember, go to MaxFunCon.com. It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. The Bullseye Holiday Special embraces all the reasons for the season. So, for a special Hanukkah song, we turn to Tom Lair. I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea. I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me. Those eastern winters, I can't endure them. So every year I pack my gear and come out here till Purim, Rosh Hashanah. I spend in Arizona and Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi. But in December, there's just one place for me. A 
amid the California flora I'll be lighting my menorah like a baby in his cradle I'll be playing with my dreidel Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica by the sea I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica Wearing sandals, lighting candles by the sea I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis A charming spot, but clearly not the spot for me Those eastern winters, I can't endure them So every year I pack my gear and come out here till Purim Rosh Hashanah, I spend in Arizona And Yom Kippur way down in Mississippi But in December there's just one place for me Amid the California flora I'll be lighting my menorah Like a baby in his cradle I'll be playing with my dreidel Here's the Judas Maccabeus Boy, if he could only see us Spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica By the It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. The Polyphonic Spree is a Texan choral pop group that looks and sounds more like they came from somewhere up above. You know, like where angels sing. Tim DeLauder formed the group spontaneously in the year 2000 when a friend booked him on a show with indie rock stalwarts Granddaddy and Bright Eyes. It was kind of an experiment at first, and then it just started happening. (laughs) The group swelled to about two dozen members, and within a couple of years, they took off. In 2004, Polyphonic Spree landed a slot on tour with David Bowie. One of the group's songs even made it into a commercial for iPods and the Volkswagen Beetle. Every year, the Polyphonic Spree has celebrated the holiday season with an extravaganza in their hometown of Dallas. Tim describes it simply. Pure insanity. We have a ventriloquist that's out there. We have a magician. Um, We have all the characters and Dickens walking around. It's really just a fun night of uh, just craziness for the whole family. Now they've taken that spirit and formed it into an album of original compositions and retooled Christmas standards called Holiday Dream, Sounds of the Holidays. Tim DeLauder talked to Bullseye contributor Daniel Ralston from the Low Times podcast about the Spree's Christmas album. Tim says that like the band itself, the album started out as kind of an experiment. We got in the studio and I started playing a bunch of records that I brought, Christmas records, and um, just listening to the old standards. Actually, Winter Wonder was the first one. We were all in the room and I said, all right, I'm just going to sing this song out in a different way and let's just kind of play to that melody and it was really great I found it was like wow this is like a new song to me I mean using the lyrics but basically exploring it a little bit It's holding the same kind of uh, feeling that I had before, but it's just different. 
Do you remember songs that really grabbed onto you at, at maybe those preformative years musically? Definitely. Well, it was definitely those the Rankin Bass, you know, the stop motion shows that would come on every Christmas year. You you couldn't wait for them to come on. You know, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and what's the other one? Santa Claus is coming to town. When that came on, it was like, all right, this is Christmas and the Charlie Brown Christmas, and I don't know, it was those songs off the television. You also do a version of John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Happy Christmas War is Over. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And a new one just begun Now this is a song with a very distinct sound and tone. And it's maybe a little bit different from the other ones on the record. How did you approach this track from a recording perspective and the kind of feel you were going for? It was something we wanted to pay homage to. We didn't want to change it up, just add to it and put some ornaments on it with the polyphonic spree, just kind of dressing it up with what we've got. And the projects that you undertake, particularly the Polyphonic Spree and this Christmas show, I'm wondering about, were there specific bands that you saw play or concerts that you saw where that element of spectacle really just blew you away and you knew you wanted to do something like that? To me, the Polyphonic Spree became a spectacle because of the size of it, and that was never the intention to make a spectacle. It was all about to uh, put this music on to try to create this sound that I hadn't really heard before, but just that would just take over your senses and I thought my gosh if I have a full symphonic section rock section and a choir you know I'm covering all the basics to kind of put people in stereo constantly and just make the hairs on the back of their neck stand up and just give them that spirited romp that they might need from the Dallas area. Can you tell me a little bit about what Christmas is like for you in that in Texas, in Dallas? Well, we really try to, we really, really, um, we're all hoping, and every kid is like wishing for snow. We don't get much snow, but we usually get a little bit every winter. And um, so when we get that, it's pretty awesome. Man, everybody gets into it there. They're, everyone does their yards, puts lights up, and, you know. So what do you do to your house? Uh, I have a big peace sign. Uh, it has a huge reef 
that goes on the side of my house, but I turn it into a big major peace sign. So it's about five foot by five foot. Uh, I like all the things that go along with Christmas. I I love the lights and I love the this fantasy of you know a talking frosty and you know the Rudolph and the whole thing. It's just it's just kind of fun. There's a lot of self reflection going on and there's a melancholy side about it. But at the same time, I'll. I'll, you know, look over at my kids or maybe my niece or nephew and they're, you know, the sparkle in their eye and they're having such a good time and then I'm just pulled right out of it. Or, you know, when I'm decorating the house with my kids and getting the lights up and the spirit always pulls through and I make it through and I enjoy it. Well, this sounds like an ideal time to hear a little bit of your version of White Christmas, which features harmonies from your son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I dream. to ask after hearing that what was it like recording your own kid well you know what it wasn't planned that way um he just got such a sweet voice and he's always singing and and i just said hey you want to come and sing the song with dad and he's like yeah and he comes in there and of course he never even heard it before and he's five years old so he's just kind of watching my lips and doing it and he had a couple of passes of me singing it and and then we just decided to record him with me and it was so charming I couldn't get rid of it Tim, I can't thank you enough for joining me today on Bullseye. Tim DeLauder is the founding member and frontman of the Polyphonic Spree. Their new album of Christmas songs is called Holiday Dream, Sounds of the Holidays. Thank you. This was awesome. Tim DeLauder of the Polyphonic Spree, speaking with Bullseye contributor Daniel Ralston. Daniel Ralston can be found on the Low Times podcast. You can grab it in iTunes or at lowtimespodcast.com. Thanks, Daniel.
It's the Bullseye Holiday Special. I'm Jesse Thorne. Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight with. Merry Christmas from the Ramones. On the show, we close with a recommendation from yours truly. It's the outshot. There are many 
many terrible Christmas pop songs. Our greatest songwriters have written them. Our greatest pop stars have recorded them. In some cases, those two people are the same person. Talking about Paul McCartney. Indeed, there have been relatively few pop Christmas carols that aren't terrible in the last 50 years or so. I was sitting here trying to think of some, and I came up with the Phil Spector Christmas record and almost nothing else. I mean, does anyone on earth actually like that Wham! song? Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. But there is one song, one beacon of hope, one light in the darkness. This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. Hang all the mistletoe, I'm gonna get to know you better. And as we trim the tree How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas The fireside's blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas It's soulful, it's accessible to anyone There's enough sleigh bells on it to remind you that it's a Christmas record, but then there's that beautiful little keyboard riff to balance out the kitsch. And most important of all, there's Donny Hathaway, one of the greatest pop singers of the 20th century. It's the kind of song that makes you want to forgive your parents and spend some time with your sister and even give your in-laws a big hug. That's what Christmas is all about, right? That's my outshot. And as I look around Your eyes outshine the town they do This Christmas The fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be a very special Christmas For me
That's it for this week's Bullseye. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer, Julia Smith. Our editor, Nick White. Our intern, Lindsay Pavlis. Thanks to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios and Sarah Liu at WBEZ for engineering help this week. And hey, happy holidays from all of us here at MaximumFun.org. And Support for this program comes from this station and public radio international stations nationwide and is made possible in part by the PRI Program Fund, whose contributors include the Ford Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Bullseye is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. PRI Public Radio International.